0: Many have inquired about the timing of the book of Revelation. In order for our understanding to be clear, we must understand the five timelines given in the book of Revelation. And I will explain these five timelines while providing the timing of the rapture on this edition of End of the Age. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Dave Robbins. I'm with End Time Ministries. And thank you for joining me on this edition of End of the Age. As you might have noticed, we have a lot of new things happening here at End Time Ministries. They're totally remodeling our studio. And we're going from a... The original set is going away. And we're going to an LED wall. And the, So all that construction is going on. In our studio right now, we'll be doing some rebranding, a lot of new things coming next year, big things, uh, new networks and all kinds of stuff. So lots happening here at End Time Ministries. Certainly thankful to the Lord for that and for a clear vision of what's going to happen in the near future and throughout the End Time. And I think you guys will be um, pleasantly surprised at the changes. We're going to do some things geared towards children in the near future and the younger generation. And then my generation and up. So, a lot of good things happening, and we're certainly thankful for the blessings of the Lord. And, you know, one thing I might mention here just at the beginning if you're looking to, I know this time of year, a lot of people give like an end of the year donation to um, different charities and different things. And if you're looking to give something this year, certainly would want to um, ask you to maybe, hey, consider End Time Ministries. We're a partner supported ministry, and um, would certainly uh, appreciate uh, you you know, donating to the ministry this time of year. We're reaching people all over the world. We've got huge uh, efforts going on in Israel, a lot of things a lot of people don't even know about at this point. And um, so a lot of big projects, a lot of people teaching and preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God around the world. So certainly remember end time in your end of the year giving this year. Now, like I said... Many people have inquired about the timing of the book of Revelation and and they're confused about the different timing of the events and how they kind of, um, you know, Scripture appears to overlap sometimes and and then to go back in time and then to jump into the future. And some people, many people have have inquired lately about, hey, help me out. I don't understand this. I want to understand because we're living through many of these events. So I thought we might try to clear some of that up for you today. And this is going to be different from other Revelation overviews that we've done in the past. So we got to answer um, the first question we probably need to answer here. What are the three sections of the book of Revelation? Well, John answered that question in his very first chapter, Revelation 119. The three sections of Revelation are the things which thou hast seen, the things which are, and the things which will be hereafter. These are the three sections of the entire book of Revelation. And the things which thou hast seen, they were given to John in chapter 1. Things which are, were given, um, that, which are, they were given in chapters 2 and 3. And then the things which will be hereafter, that begins in Revelation 4, verse 1. Now, right off, right from the very get go here, if you do not understand these three segmented parts of the book of Revelation, and you say, "Well, hey, it's all written in chronological order." You're going to be stuck. I know that this is traditional teaching, and um, you know, but it, it simply is not the case. You cannot look at the Book of Revelation as it is written in chronological order from chapter four all the way through twenty-two. It's it doesn't work like that. And so, it's very important that you understand these things. In Revelation four one, which begins the prophetic portion of the Book of Revelation, John said, "After this." I looked, and he's talking about the things which will be hereafter in Revelation 119. He says, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice, which I heard, was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, John. I will show you things which will be hereafter. So this is obviously is where the prophetic portion of the book of Revelation begins, when John is shown the things which must be hereafter. Now, Another question we have to answer, what are the four divisions? So there are three segments, but then there's this skeletal structure. What are these four divisions of Revelation, which really dramatize the second coming of Jesus Christ? Well, um, what I'm going to do is to provide chapter and verse for the beginning and ending of each one of these that is stories or a sets of events that lead to the second coming of Jesus Christ, the battle of Armageddon. The book of Revelation is simply the revealing or the unveiling of Jesus Christ. So these four divisions are Revelation chapter 4 verse 1 to Revelation chapter 8 verses 1 and then down to 5. Now this is where I'm talking about some of the overlapping and I'll get to some of this in a minute. Revelation eight. The next one is Revelation eight six to Revelation eleven nineteen. The next uh, division is rev, or set of uh, stories here. The the the, the another ex, another revealing of Jesus Christ is Revelation twelve one through Revelation fourteen twenty. And then the next one and is uh, Revelation fifteen one to Revelation nineteen twenty one. Each of these divisions end with the second coming of Jesus Christ and the rapture. If you try to say there's only one account of the second coming of Jesus Christ in the book of Revelation, it, you're going to be very confused at that point. The, Jesus Christ, there is a, um, an account of him coming many times in the book of Revelation. And it's different stories that are told about his coming, different accounts of that. And he doesn't come four times. He comes one time, but there are different accounts of that. So it's very important when you're trying to figure all this out. Um, But I want to pause here because I want to explain something to a caller that we had on Friday's Open Line program who was confused about the timing of Revelation chapter 8, verse 1 through 6. And I told him I would explain it. Uh, this week. And so that's one of the reasons I chose to do this programming, not besides everybody else that was asking about it. But the answer is that if, again, if these uh, accounts appear to overlap, it's because they do overlap. And this is one of the main ways that we prove the book of Revelation is not written in chronological order. Again, if you believe the book of Revelation is written in chronological order and you understand these things, then you're going to have Jesus Christ coming four times in the near future, and so that's why we've really got to get this thing right. A lot of people say, "Well, the, the um, seals, trumpets, and vials all happened during the final seven years." That simply is not the case. And so, I want to. Make, well, I know I'm getting a lot of questions about this now through email and, and on our program and different things. We want to make sure you guys understand everything because it's very important. Because we're living through the 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 culmination of this thing. We're in the end time. We want to make sure you guys understand everything. So,
1: Satan, the of this world, don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in, and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to intime.com slash future or call 800-END-TIME. That's 800-363-8463.
2: Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV,
1: serving end time prophecy call 1-800-END-TIME or visit endtime.com slash events for more information
0: let let me see if I can help the the caller here that uh, was on our open line Friday about Revelation chapter 8 verse 1 through 6 because if you don't understand it, it kind, if you if you think it's written in chronological order, then this will be very confusing to you. But if not, if you understand that they do overlap, then it becomes pretty easy to understand. So what's happening here? Well, we're at the, this is going to be the seventh seal, the half hour of silence in heaven. And so the seventh seal concludes the events of the, Second coming it's the first account of the, the revelation of Jesus Christ um, in, the, in the structural elements, the seals, trumpets, and vials, and the simultaneous harvest. So the seventh seal is concluding the events of the second coming here. and in Revelation 8:1, it says that when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Now if you understand the timing of this, the sixth seal and seventh seal, really are the second coming of Jesus Christ, the rapture, and the battle of Armageddon. But right here it says at the seventh seal, there's um, silence in heaven for about a half an hour. Why is there silence in heaven? Well, it, it happens when the heavens depart like a scroll in the sixth seal, and the great day of his wrath is come. It, it's the second coming of Jesus Christ. Why the silence? Well, heaven is silent in our, in, in our opinion, uh, because its inhabitants are watching the rapture of the church, the Bible says when Jesus comes to earth, the dead in Christ will rise from the graves, immortal. Those who are alive and have been born again will be changed from mortal beings to immortal beings. Then they will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air with those who are raised from the dead. This is the bride of Christ. Being caught up to meet her bridegroom in the air, all of heaven will be watching this pivotal final event—the marriage supper, uh, or I should say, the, I guess the marriage of the Lamb. So the apostle Paul described this event back in First uh, Thessalonians four, I think it's thirteen down through about seventeen. You remember when he said. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, those Christians that have passed on before us, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus Christ died rose, uh, died and rose again, even so them which also sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto, unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto, his, unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So, imagine this pivotal event in, in all of history. I mean, this is the culmination of uh, up to that point of what the human existence has been all about. And then after... The 30 minutes of silence, Revelation chapter 8, verse 2 through 4, describes events occurring in heaven. And I saw this, and John said, um, and I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Now this is what kind of throws people off here. They, are, But very key here, they're not told to blow them yet. They are just given the trumpets. John seeing a vision of things that will happen in the future. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense that he should um, offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. So when we pray our prayers, um, they, they may not be answered immediately but they're being bottled up and stored until the day of God's wrath. And then, so you've got to understand here that the seventh seal, the seventh trumpet, and the seventh vial, they're all the exact same event. And so, but when you come to Revelation 8, 5, this is the point, uh, this is what I'm wanting to make sure that I answer the question for the caller on Friday. Revelation 18.5 records the final events of the seventh seal. And it says, um, and the angel took the censer, filled it with the fire of the altar, cast it into the earth, and there were voices, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. So the events of the seventh trumpet, they're recorded in Revelation 11.19. The Bible says, and listen at these, these things that are repeated here. In Revelation eleven nineteen, 19, I was back over in Revelation 11, uh, what was that, Eleven five, 5? Or, I'm sorry, 8, 5. Now I'm in eleven nineteen. The Bible says that the temple of God was opened in heaven. There was seen in his temple the Ark of the Testament, and here it is again. And there were lightnings, voices, thunderings, and an earthquake, and great hail. It's the exact same thing in Revelation uh, 8, 5. And then the seventh vial is described in in Revelation 16 17 through 18 and it says and the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air uh, there came a great voice out of this out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying it is done and there were here it is the voices thunderings lightnings there was a great earthquake such as was not since men were upon the earth and a mighty so mighty an earthquake and so great so the seventh seal seventh trumpet seventh vial they're the exact same event. The seals are the long story ending at Armageddon and the second coming. The trumpets are a shorter story, a shorter set of events ending at Armageddon and the second coming. And the vials are the very, very short story ending at Armageddon and the second coming. It's one of the biggest keys. Listen closely. This is one of the biggest keys to understanding and unlocking the entire book of Revelation or the unveiling of Jesus Christ. So even though Revelation 8-2, uh, it says that John saw the angels with the trumpets, they did not sound the trumpets until after the seals were finished in Revelation eighteen five, and then the trumpets began to, to uh, sound in Revelation 8-6. But even though they appear to overlap, it's because they do. Okay? Now uh, the a the, uh, uh, third question we probably ought to answer is what are the chapter and verses of the four accounts of the rapture in Revelation? Well, again, I just read some of them. Revelation eighteen five, there were voices, thunderings, a great and a great hail. Revelation eleven fifteen through nineteen, and there were voices, thunderings, and earthquake and great hail. Revelation 14, the simultaneous harvest. Revelation 14, 14 through 16. And this is the first of the two harvests. And uh, this is the harvest of the wheat, which is the rapture. Then there's the harvest of the the, uh, vine of the earth, which is the wicked ones. The same thing as the wheat and the tares in Revelation 13. It's the exact same event. And then Revelation, finally, the fourth account, Revelation 19, 7 through 11. The marriage supper of the Lamb has come, the bride hath made herself ready for the marriage supper of the Lamb in the sky. So those are the four accounts of the uh, rapture and the second coming in the book of Revelation. Now with that said, I want to get to the the timelines, plural, of the book of Revelation. In order order for us to really have a clear understanding, you've got to understand these four five timelines in the book of Revelation. Okay? So I'm going to run down through them very quickly here and then I'm going to get through some of the timing of the rapture because the book of Revelation has a lot of um, timelines and and the timing of everything. If you want to figure out a lot of the timing of all of this, now there are many other scriptures in the Bible, I understand, but the book of Revelation is chock full of this stuff. So, The timing of the seven seals Uh, when you look at the first seal, which is found in Revelation six two, it's the white horse and it is the symbol of for Catholicism. And then which was established around what three hundred twenty five AD somewhere in there when the Roman Church um, decided on the Roman Universal Doctrine or the Roman Catholic Church? The second seal, that was what the Council of Nicaea, when it, a lot of that began. The second seal, Revelation 6-4, the red horse, the symbol of communism. The third seal, Revelation 6-5, the black horse, which is a symbol of capitalism. The fourth seal is found in Revelation 6-8. That's the green horse, the symbol of Islamism in the world today. The fifth seal That's Revelation 6, 9 through 11. That represents the soul under the altar. uh, I'm sorry, the souls under the altar. uh, And this is the scene from the Great Tribulation. So when we look at the timing of all of this, you're talking about from 300, 325 A.D. all the way to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Look how far the seals, um, the, the, the expanse of that is. And then, of course, the sixth seal, Revelation 6, 12 through 17, that depicts heaven opening, and it's, ha- it's what happens at the Battle of Armageddon, the second coming, the seventh seal, Revelation 8, 1 uh, and 5 talks about the 30 minutes of silence in heaven. This is the rapture, and it concludes with the words, and there were voices, thunderings, earth, uh, and an earthquake, and great hail. So you can see the timing of all of that. That it, it, when I've had, I've heard people say, hey, all of the seals, trumpets, and vials occur during the final seven years. Wow. Uh, What do you do with the opening of the first seal? Way back in 325 AD and then on from there on. So you got to understand these things. Now, the timeline of the seven trumpets. The first trumpet found in Revelation 8 7 symbolizes World War I. Uh what what's uh what the, see uh, nineteen fourteen to nineteen eighteen. Second trumpet, Revelation eight, eight through nine. That's World War II, nineteen thirty-nine to forty five. The third trumpet, Revelation eight, uh ten through eleven, Chernobyl nuclear accident. That's was what April of eighty six. Fourth trumpet and um talks about the shortening of the days. That occurred with the tearing down of Berlin Wall. The speeding up of time with the process of globalization, that was in eighty nine. The fifth trumpet, Revelation nine, one through eleven, provides information about the Gulf War and Saddam Hussein, ninety ninety one. The sixth trumpet, Revelation nine, thirteen through twenty one, that predicts World War three. Obviously that's a future event. Could start at any time if it hasn't already begun. And then the seventh trumpet, Revelation 11-15, through 15, that's the Battle of Armageddon and the Rapture. So if you look at the seals and trumpets, they overlap each other. Because the fifth seal, Great Tribulation, and the first trumpet, with the Great Tribulation and the fifth seal, which hasn't happened yet, the first trumpet was World War I back at the early 1900s. So they do overlap each other. Okay? And then we, um, so that would be the timeline of the seven trumpets, the timeline of the seven vials. First vial found in Revelation 16, 2, there were grievous sores placed upon those that took the mark of the beast. So this hasn't happened yet. This is a future that happens at the end of the Great Tribulation. But the second coming hasn't happened yet. And so we're still looking at maybe a, a, a little bit of an overlap here. The second vial, Revelation sixteen three, that's the sea became blood. The third vial, almost the same thing, kind of, Revelation 16, for the rivers became blood. Under the fourth vial, um, let's see, the, that's Revelation 16, 8 through 9. That's when men are scorched by the sun. Again, these haven't happened yet. These happen at the end of the Great Tribulation. Most of these will be poured out upon the armies that come down against Israel to battle at the Battle of Armageddon. The fifth seal, Revelation 16, 10, there was a great plague and horrible darkness uh, under the sixth seal. Revelation 16, 12-16, you remember that the uh, Euphrates River is dried up to make way for the kings of the east to come down for the Battle of Armageddon. The seventh vial of Revelation 16, 17-21, that reveals history's greatest earthquake and also the greatest hail that has ever happened also contained in this seventh Seventh vial is the rapture. So you're understanding the timelines that I'm going through here, right? Now, there, those are th- three pivotal timelines, seals, trumpets, and vials. If you remember, again, the first seal represents Catholicism. That began around 300 AD. The second seal, communism. That was, what, 1848, somewhere in there, when the Communist Manifesto was written. The third seal, Capitalism. The fourth seal, Islamism. Look how far out these are. The um, arrival of the first trumpet, uh, World War One, Second second trumpet, World War II, third trumpet, um, 86. And so these are overlapping. The fourth trumpet, the Berlin Wall fell. The fifth trumpet, Gulf War. Uh, sixth trumpet, Euphrates River. Um, there's a World War III. The fifth seal, uh, Great Tribulation sixth seal, um, and the seventh, the battle, battle of Armageddon and the second coming of Jesus Christ. Um, and then the, under the seventh seal, seventh trumpet, seventh vial, all these things are uh, when the, there's a silence in heaven, this is when the rapture takes place. So the timeline for the final seven years just ahead if you can understand all of these different events that I'm going through here today and many other prophecies I mean we, if you line all of them up here or I should say most of them you kind of get an idea of what's coming in the near future and it's, it's very important because the Bible says very specifically that you can understand these things I've heard, I've heard so many times over the years well nobody really understands the prophecies of the Bible that simply is not true We're talking about the Word of God, about almost 30% of the Word of God. God didn't put it in there just for a filler. He put it in there so we could understand these things.
1: Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty?
0: You know everyone, once we understand the timelines and I should say timelines plural, there are many of them, uh, Of course, they all tie into the one main you know god 's timeline of the uh, prophetic to end time but once we once we go into all these different timelines and things, it really helps us to kind of lay out the end time scenario here doesn't it, especially like the final seven years. I mean, so think about it. When you look at the book of Revelation and several of the other prophecies back throughout the Bible, let me paint you a little end-time scenario here just really quickly, and then we'll get off into the the timing of the rapture, which is what a lot of people are interested in um, because it's one of the main questions we get here at the ministry all the time. Why does everybody else teach a pre-trib rapture? You guys teach a post-trib. So we'll talk about that. But if I was to paint an end-time scenario here, you understand that the, um, the, the the final seven years will begin with a peace treaty signed between the Palestinians and the Israelis. And it's going to be it right there dealing with not the Abraham Accord peace agreement, but a peace agreement between those two in that Middle East region there, uh, right in Israel and the um, Judea right there. Now, that launches the final seven years preceding the Battle of Armageddon and the second coming of Jesus Christ to the earth. Under that peace agreement, the Temple Mount is going to be placed under a sharing arrangement, and that's when the prophesied end-time revival is going to begin. The revival that End-Time Ministries has been sowing the seed for for decades now. If you think about this, let me make a statement here. People that are believing in a pre-tribulation rapture believe that we are going to be gone, that the church will be gone, before this great revival takes place, and that this is only for the Jews, okay? But that's simply not the case, folks. Number one, the Bible teaches a post-trib rapture. But number two, John said in Revelation chapter seven, verse nine. I see in a future vision of vision of heaven, he said, I saw a multitude no man could number, out of every kindred, every people, every tongue, and every nation, not just Jews. And the elder asked John. Who are these and where they come from? John said, I don't know, thou knowest. He said, these are those that washed their robes white in the blood of the Lamb, and these are those that came out of great tribulation. Now, the great tribulation is ahead of us now, right? The great tribulation is the final three and one half years of that final seven years. And John saw a multitude out of every kindred, people, tongue, and nation that came out of that. The greatest time of revival the world's ever seen is ahead of us now. Now, during, when we start into this final seven years, the, uh, the first three and one half years of that seven year period, the Jews, th- the, the third temple is going to be built. Once the temple is built, animal sacrifices are going to be resumed. Since the Jewish people still feel obligated to offer those sacrifices under the Old Testament law, halfway through that final seven year period, the final three and one half years begins, and at that point, there is a war in heaven between Satan and his angels. And God and his angels and Satan is going to be defeated. Consequently, he's going to be confined to the earth. No more access to heaven and uh, ever again. And at this very same time, that's when the abomination of desolation occurs. The Antichrist is going to be revealed. And the false prophet who supports the Antichrist will also appear on the world scene. And this begins the Great Tribulation... And it's this final three-and-one-half-year period also at this time, uh, the final three-and-one-half years, that's the Great Tribulation, and it's also at that time that Satan sends his two agents out. The two, um, and But when he sends his two agents, God is going to send his two witnesses, um, and they will begin their ministries as well. During that final three-and-one-half-year period, during this final three-and-one-half years, the Antichrist is going to expand control over the world more and more Toward the end of his reign, he's going to implement the mark of the beast and to make sure everyone pledges allegiance to him, thereby worshiping him. And at the end of that seven years, the second coming of Jesus to the earth will take place. At that time, the Jews are going to meet their Messiah. And the Antichrist and the false prophet will be cast into the lake of fire. Satan is going to be bound and placed in the bottomless pit for the next thousand years. Jesus will be crowned King of kings and Lord of lords. And this is going to put us into the next 1,000-year millennial reign uh, of peace with Jesus Christ uh, and His church. Now, having said all this, I want to address the question that we receive most here at End Time Ministries, and we're going to talk about the Great Tribulation, and we will prove to you in detail that the church will continue on earth through the entirety of the Great Tribulation. And now, but the good news is, about this is that there's a great time of revival that Jesus prophesied in, um, that John prophesied about in Revelation chapter 7. So let me clear up your mind really forever, hopefully. (laughs) I know that is just, you you know, we just got to do the best we can, don't we, right? But let me clear up, see if I can clear up your mind forever about when the rapture is going to take place. In all the years that we have studied and taught Bible prophecy, my father-in-law long before me and Doug and Vince and all the rest of us. The number one question that we have been asked over the years, when will the rapture happen? Why do you guys teach a post-trib rapture when everybody else, just about, is teaching a pre-tribulation rapture? So the issue of the rapture, when it will occur, I want to tell everybody it is not capital N-O-T. It's not a salvation issue. My... my Father-in-law's mom and dad believed in a pre-tribulation rapture. They died and went to heaven. My father-in-law believed in a post-tribulation rapture, Irvin Baxter, and he died and he went to heaven. So it's not a salvation issue, but a lot of people are interested in it. So, you know, any of us could be called home to be with the Lord at any time. So, um, but it's the Bible and we want to teach the truth, right? The important thing is just to, is to be ready at all times. None of us are promised tomorrow morning. But Jesus said um, that, hey, therefore be ye also ready for in such an hour as you think not your Lord doth come. So it's very important. Just be ready. But, so if that's the case, why why should we discuss the topic at all? Well, there are two main reasons why we need to discuss the pre-post-tribulation issue. And it needs to be understood. Two reasons. Number one. The proper understanding will determine what we do in the end times just ahead. Should we be expecting to simply disappear at any moment? Or should we be preparing and sowing the seeds for the greatest revival this world has ever known for every kindred, people, tongue, and nation? Okay? Now, End Time Ministries is heavily involved in Israel, and we're going to be dealing with Um, the people out in the West Bank and trying to get them to come out of there. And a lot of different things are going to happen because the Bible says so. However, I'm trying to win everybody. I don't care what color you are. I don't care what your background is. I don't care how much money you got. I'm sowing the seeds of revival for every single person on the planet. And so, very important, the proper understanding of this stuff will determine... What you do in the end time, am I gearing up to be caught away or am I gearing up and preaching and teaching in the gospel of the kingdom of God around the world to every single creature? That's the goal. Now, number two reason that we should try to uh, understand these things is that some are so adamantly pre-trib that should the mark of the beast be imposed upon the world, there's a possibility that they would take it because, hey, wouldn't they would reason that, hey, this can't be the actual mark since we're not going to be here when the real mark of the beast is implemented, right? They think we're going to be gone. So there's a chance they could say, well, this is just another number. This is just another chip. This is just another whatever. And it can't be the mark of the beast because I'm going to be gone when that comes on the scene. And now that is when it becomes detrimental, the hugely. So being that strongly pre-trib, that could result in an individual's taking the mark of the beast inadvertently. That would not be good. And at that point, the proper understanding of Scripture would become a salvation issue. Okay? So don't want to do that. So we need to understand these things. So I wanted to kind of go over the the three prominent rapture positions um, and to uh, define them. There are three positions that are normally held by different people concerning the timing of the rapture. There's pre-tribulation rapture, mid-tribulation rapture, and then there's a post-tribulation rapture. And these positions are based on a, the final, uh, a final seven-year timeline, um, that period called Daniel's 70th week. Most people would refer to it as that. The pre-tribulationists, they believe Jesus is going to rapture the church prior to the beginning of that se- the seven-year Great Tribulation. Mid-Tribulationists believe the rapture will occur halfway through the final seven-year period. And then post-Tribulationists, i.e. end-time ministries, believe the church will remain on the earth throughout the final seven years. They believe the church will be caught up to meet Jesus in the air when he comes to the earth to fight for Israel between the uh, battle of armageddon he all he's going to do is collect everybody on the way to fight on behalf of Israel at the battle of armageddon the bible's crystal clear on that point he gathers everybody we have the marriage of the lamb in the sky we go straight to fight with him on behalf of the, of Israel at the battle of armageddon read revelation chapter 19 now i want to make sure you understand something when we're talking about this there is not one scripture in the bible for a seven year tribulation I know a lot of people that I've heard liken the pre-tribulation rapture to an, an ancient Jewish wedding where there, the, the, there, there would be this seven-year time period. Well, and they say there's going to be a seven-year Great Tribulation. There is not one scripture in the Bible for a seven-year Great Tribulation. There is a final seven-year period. But it only the Great Tribulation only lasts the final three and one-half years of that. If you can convince somebody of that, you can take away the pre-tribulation belief because they all believe in a pre-in seven-year tribulation. The, the wedding uh, objection hinges on a seven-year tribulation, doesn't it? You ever heard it? So the first thing we need to establish is there's no such thing as a seven-year great tribulation. It's important to notice that there is not one scripture for that. Not one, everybody. There is at least six scriptures that tell us the Great Tribulation lasts for only three and one-half years. These include Daniel 7, 25, where the scripture says the Antichrist will make war against the saints for time, times, and half a time. Only three and a half years. Time's one year, times is two years, and half a time is half a year. And that equals three and one-half years. And we know this for sure because... Uh, back in Revelation chapter thirteen, verse five through seven, it says the beast, the Antichrist, will have power to continue forty-two months. That's three and one half years. It's the it's during which time he will he will make war against the saints. It's the exact same thing as Daniel seven twenty-five. It's the exact same event. John and Daniel both prophesied about the exact same event, and they both said that it would only be three and one half years. Revelation twelve. 13 through 14, says that Satan will make war against the woman with 12 stars around her head, which is Israel, for a time, times, and half a time. Three and a half years. It's the exact same thing. Daniel 12, 1 foretells a time of trouble such as never was before on the face of the earth. Well, in verse 7, we're told the time of trouble will be for, here it is, time, times, and half a time. There it is, three and a half years. So you can see, once you get down into the, um, the understanding of these timelines and everything, it really opens these things up. And maybe one day, I don't know, maybe one day we'll do a, a, a DVD or something on uh, just the timelines of all of this, because it really becomes super easy to understand. And so we'll get more off into this after the break. Uh, I think you'll be interested.
3: I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day.
0: Seven years or three and a half years? Well, it's three and a half years. In Matthew 24, 15 through 21, Jesus said the Great Tribulation would begin at the time of the abomination of desolation, which Daniel 9, 27 says takes place in the middle of the final seven years. And that teaches us that the Great Tribulation will continue throughout the last three and one half years of that final seven. And then back in uh, Daniel 12, 11, and in Revelation twelve six, it also confirms that the Great Tribulation will be three and one-half years. And the, these scriptures illustrate that there is no such position as a mid-Tribulation rapture. That can't exist if you understand these things. Since the Great Tribulation will last for three and one-half years, the rapture will either happen before the, the uh, final three and one-half years or at the end of the final three and one-half years. Which is it? Well... Let me see if I can help you with that. Let me give you, for the rest of the program, I'm going to give you as many proofs as I can for a post-tribulation rapture. Okay? When we go on, Irvin Baxter was on, I don't know how many radio and television programs over the years, many of them. And I've been, since he passed, actually before he passed, but since he passed, I've been on many, many, many. I can't count how many I was on uh, last over the last couple, two or three years. But when we talk about this subject, and everybody says, why do you guys teach a post-tribulation rapture? The number one proof that we give for the rapture happening immediately after the tribulation is the Olivet Discourse taught by Jesus Christ himself. In Matthew 24, and this is really the Bible's most famous prophecy chapter, the disciples asked Jesus, What would be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And um, after giving many events that would lead up to his second coming, Jesus explicitly answered his, the disciples, uh, answered their question in Matthew 24, 29 through 31. Well, in other words, remember here again, I want to make sure you get this. The, 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 it, if I was to quote it sp- um, exact. The apostles said, now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately and said, tell us, when will these things be? What is going to be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Okay, now you jump to Matthew 24, 29 through 31. And he says this, immediately after, remember the word after, immediately after the tribulation of those days. Now, remember up in verse... um, what will be uh, 16, 15, 16 through tw- 15 through 21? He said, When you see the abomination of desolation occur, let them which um, stand, let them which be in Judea flee, for then is going to be great tribulation, such as never was before on the earth, nor ever will be after that. He, he told about a period of great tribulation. Then he says in verse 29, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the greatest time of tribulation, the greatest time of persecution the world's ever known, immediately after the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened, moon shall not give her light, stars will fall from heaven, powers of heaven shall be shaken, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. They shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And then, here's the rapture, folks. The Bible says he shall send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. That event happens one time in the future. Just once. Okay? Not twice, not ten times. One time. The Lord will come in the clouds, send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet to gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Jesus specifically says that his second coming would take place when? In verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days. If if that word after said before, I would be a pre-tribulation rapture believer today. But because it says after the great tribulation, folks, we got to go with that. I mean, if not, if none if no other verse, just this one, immediately after the tribulation of those days. And it comes from the mouth of Jesus Himself. And it appears to be conclusive and irrefutable. End of discussion, right? However, and again, listen, again, I, I told you at the beginning, this is not a salvation issue. If you want to believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, Great. I have many friends. I have pastor friends of mine that believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. I love them. We go out to eat eat together. We break bread. We have a good time. We love each other. And we're all teaching and preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and trying to win souls and build the kingdom of God all the way to the end. We all have the same goal. But with that said, we still have the discussion. Hey, why do you guys believe in a a, a post-trib rapture? And so, you know, some people that believe in a post-tribulation rapture, they argue that there will be two raptures. They believe there's going to be a rapture before the tribulation and then another rapture that Jesus referred to after the tribulation. But that argument creates a direct conflict with the scriptures since the Bible explicitly states The resurrection that will occur at the end of the Great Tribulation will be the first resurrection, doesn't it? If you go back to Revelation 20, verse 4 through 5, the Bible says... Now remember, John seeing a future vision of heaven, he said, Hey, I saw thrones, they that sat upon them. Judgment was given unto them, and I saw the souls of them which were beheaded for the witness of Jesus Christ. This is during the Great Tribulation and for the Word of God. Which is not received, which, which had not uh, worshiped the beast, neither his image, neither received his mark in their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and re- lived and reigned with Christ for the thousand years, but the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. And then referring to these that came through the great tribulation, it says, this is the first resurrection. So this passage clearly states that those who were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, did not worship the beast, did not receive the mark in their hands or in their foreheads when they were resurrected, that this is the first resurrection. So obviously, folks, if this is the first resurrection, there was not a resurrection seven years earlier as a pre-tribulation believer teaches. And if there had been a rapture seven years before, this resurrection would have had to be the second resurrection but the Bible clearly says that this is the first resurrection. Um, so I, you know, I'm not trying. I'm not trying really to cause division here. To me, it's the Bible, and I, we're all trying to figure out what it means, right? But when Jesus said immediately after the tribulation of those days, the, the, the tribulation of those days, to me, that's case closed at that point. Again, if he said before. Man, I'm all in. I'm a pre tribulation believer today. But Jesus said immediately after the tribulation of those days. When he says that, I got to go with that, okay? Let me see if I can give you another one here. The rapture occurs after the Antichrist is revealed. You know, back in the early church, some of them had begun to teach that the rapture was imminent. Imminent meaning that, hey, no more prophecy needs to be fulfilled before the rapture can occur. They taught that all the way back 2,000 years ago. However, the Apostle Paul wrote to correct that teaching in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1-4, didn't he? The Apostle Paul said, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together unto him. Same thing, the, the second coming and the, and the rapture. Our gathering together unto him is the rapture that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day is not going to come, except there comes a falling away first, which is the dark ages, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So the subject Paul is addressing here is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together unto him. He was clearly teaching on the timing of the rapture. And Paul emphasized the rapture would not happen until after the man of sin, the Antichrist, is revealed. And that totally disproves the pre-tribulation rapture theory. Okay? Now, let me see if I can hit it from another angle here before we get done with the program. The rapture happens all the way over in Revelation chapter 19. I I know that promoters of the pre-tribulation theory contend that the rapture happens in Revelation 4-1. And they also teach the book of Revelation is in chronological order. That's why I want to hit some of those points throughout the program. But when you get to Revelation chapter 19, verse 7 through 11, the rapture has not happened because the Bible says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come. Clear over there in Revelation 19, And his wife had made herself ready, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said unto me, These are the, the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet and worshiped him. Uh, and he said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And John said, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful um, and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. But up back up in verse 7 we're told that um, the time of the marriage of the Lamb has arrived. And then in verse 9, those called to the marriage supper of the Lamb are pronounced blessed. Then heaven opens and Jesus appears to rapture his bride and to conduct the marriage supper of the Lamb. And after the marriage supper, Jesus descends from heaven with his bride to fight the battle of Armageddon and to establish his kingdom here on the earth. It's recorded in Revelation 19, 14 through 21. So the Bible could not be any clearer, really. Look at Revelation 19. It spells it all out. And Jesus descends to fight the battle of Armageddon. Um, and it, that's when his, his um, bride... will. As Jesus descends to fight the battle of Armageddon, his bride will be raptured to meet him in the sky after the marriage supper of the Lamb in the sky. His bride will then accompany him to fight the battle of Armageddon, and then to crown him king of kings and lord of lords. And so you can see that the rapture and the battle of Armageddon is one and the same event. You say, well, no, it's a one goes up and the rapture goes up and the second coming, everybody comes back. That is true. But he has to gather everybody to him, have the marriage supper of the Lamb in the sky, and go straight to fight on behalf of Israel at the battle of Armageddon. It is one huge event there. It's not two separate events that are seven years apart. That it, There's simply no scriptures for that. So, what are we trying to do? It's very important. I want to understand the Word of God. I want to know what the truth is. Am I trying to cause division? Absolutely not. I just want to know the truth, and I want to teach the truth here on the End of the Age program and at our ministry. So that's what we're endeavoring to do. We love everybody. I'm trying to get, I just want everybody to go to heaven. That's it. But I also want to know the truth of the Bible, right? I'm a truth seeker. I want to know the truth. So God bless each and every one of you. I know we're all in this together. And I want to say thank you for supporting us. And God bless each and every one. Thank you for listening.